0: at it? Am I coming at it from it's about me or am I coming at it from it's about us? If I'm in a partnership, I think it's more effective to come at it whenever possible from it's about us. How can I support the relationship as opposed to how can I get my needs met?
1: Welcome to the 1,000 Day Solar Podcast. My name is Lee Davy. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am a father, a son, a leader, a lover, and a master life coach. And I spend every moment of my life helping people to live a self-led life without alcohol, including today. How are you doing, folks? I hope you're doing well. I am currently in a, uh, what do you call it? A bed sit or a B&B, B&B, the old-fashioned bed and breakfast in Cardiff at the moment and uh, I've got some really good news to share with you after being away from my two girls for almost three months. Uh, it's Monday now. On Thursday, I'm going to see them the flying in from Heathrow. Uh, we're going to spend a couple of days together in Cardiff before uh, trekking out to Lempster to a place called Wigmore, where we're going to be uh, looking after a cat in a beautiful barn in the countryside. So really looking forward to that. Um, what? What else have we got going on in the Lim Davy household? Well, we come back from Lemster. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Bristol to see what that part of the world is like. Jude was born there and I lived there for three years, but Liza wants to check it out. So we're going to go to Bristol. Then we're going to Madrid for three weeks. I'm going to be doing uh, continuing my work on a poker documentary in Madrid for three weeks. And then we're going to be spending the month of June in Korea, South Korea, not North Korea, because that would be fucking crazy now, wouldn't it? All right. So that's what we're all about. And um, after that, to be honest with you, I'm looking to nest. I'm feeling a pull. It's nice to travel around. It's nice to be a vagabond. It's nice to explore. Um, and uh, you know, I recommend it to everybody. But There's a time for me in particular where you just need to settle down and uh, feel comfortable um, having your own home. So after uh, June, that's what I want to do. I want to start saving up a few pennies, buying myself a house. That's if um, uh, Joe Biden will let me into the country. So we'll have to wait and see how that works out. So all good stuff over here. I hope things are well with you. Um, if you need help with anything whatsoever, then just give us an email at method at gmail.com. Uh, just a reminder that our beautiful uh, producer of this show, Stan, um, he is still in Ukraine. He's uh, right on the edge of where all the skirmishes are. And we were talking the other day on WhatsApp text, and he was saying that uh, the... Um, They'd shot down a couple of cruise missiles, which were heading into his direction. So really dangerous stuff out there at the moment. If you want to donate um, to uh, the cause in Ukraine, and especially Stan, who makes this podcast possible, then send me an email at stridemethod@gmail.com and I'll make sure your money gets forwarded to him. Stan, we love you. Stay safe. And uh, thank you for all the work that you do here. Right. On to our guest today. Elise Betcher. She is first and foremost a human being who has been both fortunate enough and also sufficiently humbled by her life experience thus far to know that her primary mission in life is to live in the truest possible expression of herself and in robust gratitude for what is available in every moment and to help others do the same. In her professional life, she is now a master coach, like me, who specializes in personal and relational transformation. She invites her clients to see her as a loving big sister who will always see the best in you, who fervently wants more for you and who won't let you get away with the same old crap. She sees the transition in helping couples use their relationships with each other as a crucible for personal growth in a way they never realized possible as a gateway to the most rewarding work she's ever done. Elise is also a sexuality educator, a democratic parenting advocate, and a pediatrician. She holds coaching certifications from the International Coaching Federation, the Co-Active Training Institute, the Relationship School, and the Elementum Coaching Institute, where she was certified as a master coach for the first time and is now a faculty member. And you can learn more about Elise's work at EliseBetcher.com. We're going to talk about how perfectly reasonable people mess up their relationships and what we can do about it. So without further ado, I'm going to shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Elise Becher. How are you doing? What part of the world are you in?
0: I am in, I like to say the capital of crazy. I'm in the capital of the United States, Washington,
1: DC. Do you know I've never been to Washington, DC? It's worth a visit. Yeah, I have a lot of friends there, actually, including you. So I I should I should when when America lets me back in, I'll be there. Right.
0: I can't promise I'll still be here when you come to visit. But um, <laughs> I, I have my younger child is going off to college in the fall and uh, it opens up a whole new world of possibilities for me. So
1: it might be, be other you'll places. be alone.
0: I will be an empty nester.
1: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Both, uh, how do you feel about that, though? Out of interest.
0: Oh, So many mixed feelings.
1: Yeah, I bet.
0: I mean, I'm so excited. I have two children. My daughter is a third year student in college now, and my son is a senior in high school. And I'm so excited for them mm. that they both seem to be successfully launching, going off on their lives. You know, That's how I would want it to be. Mm -hmm. And it's a 20 year chapter of my life Mm -hmm. that my daughter is now 20. So I started raising children 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's a 20 year chapter that's, you know, moving into something else. And there's some sense of, you know, I'm a little verklempt thinking about it. Um, You know, did I appreciate it enough? Did I have enough gratitude for the moments while it was here? and being really excited about what comes next for them, for me, for us.
1: I like that. I like that. I like that balance, right? We don't, so we don't, we don't get, um, we don't get lost in the sadness. We don't get lost in any kind of regret spiral. It's just kind of like having a reflection on what we did, how it went and then being like, okay, it's going to be super sad and we're going to be sad. And, but at the same time, it's so exciting that we're going to be able to, do what the hell we want. Cause we don't have to, we, our worries are going to be different. <laughs> We're still going to worry about them, but it's different.
0: Right. Absolutely. And, and <sighs> I think Lee, you're touching on something that's really important in terms of personal maturation and mm-hmm. in being relational, which is being able to hold more than one thing at the same time.
1: Oh, I like that so much. Tell me more.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I can be sad, and excited at the Mm. same time. I can be a little pissed off that you told me you were going to be home at 6 p.m. and weren't and still hold that I really love you and that I know that you are trying. I think we show up better for ourselves and other people when we work on continually holding more than one thing to be true at the same Ooh,
1: time. I, and I was thinking then we can be a powerhouse businesswoman and we can be an amazing mother and we can be a really great dad and we can be uh, a really great employee. And yeah, there's like so many different ways that can go, right? Like, right. Yeah, I like that. I like that.
0: And, and I can be falling down a little bit in one place and want to improve and still be kicking life's ass in a couple of others.
1: That is so important. Like people listening to that, that is like gold dust right there. Right. Like that shows up with me all the time in in this community. (laughs) You know, I could be sharing one area of my life where I'm struggling. I could be sharing um, the pain, the suffering, the growth, but at the same time, I could be absolutely smashing it in life, but I'm still able to talk about it and share this piece. It doesn't mean that I'm falling apart, right? It just means that the human condition is kicking in. Life is kicking in. The absolute beautiful fuckness of relationships is what it is. Like, right. who on earth? Like, how would you think about this question, Actually, I heard on a podcast the other day, and there was a part of me that resonated with it, and there was a part of me that didn't. And it was uh, someone said on a podcast. Um, I I don't want I don't want an easy relationship because because if it's easy, it means that it's, there's no growth. And there was a part of me that was like, yeah, I I uh, I think that purely mm-hmm. because my analysis relationship isn't easy. Um, and then at the same time, I was like, no, it would be nice to have an easy relationship as well. So, what, what's your thoughts on that?
0: Well, my first thought on that is linked to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, which is you know can both be true. Can the relationship be easy sometimes and not easy at others? And Mm -hmm. you know we have ebbs and flows like we would with anything. And I think it is true. It's an important question to ask oneself: What kind of a relationship do I want? Right? I think that's a really So this idea of like, am I, am I relationship ready? I think that's an important thing for us to be sort of constantly asking ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's several parts of that. One is, am I, am I able to be true to myself while still working to be deeply connected to another person? And I think both of those things have to be true for a person to be really relationship ready. Mm-hmm. And then I have to know what kind of relationship I'm looking for. And so this speaks to your question about do I want an easy relationship? There are people who really want to be in relationship, to be safe, to mm-hmm. be like buffered against the storms of the world, and that's the whole point. I just I just want to feel safe. There are people who want to be in relationships that feel light and fun and carefree. And I don't ever have to do anything difficult. Now, I don't know that that's possible long-term. Like, I don't know how people have that long-term where there's never any effort that needs to be put in. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's, you know, we want to really put in the effort and I'm not going to say work. I listened to your interview with Katie Hendricks, and I did appreciate that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Katie. And, and I, I, I'm i someone who always says work. Yeah, and Katie reminded right. me of uh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not
0: going to say work. I'm going to say effort, okay, which I do think has a slightly different flavor. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know of successful long-term relationships that don't involve any effort, okay? Mm. um, And that part of the point is for this person that I'm partnering with, to help me see the parts of myself that are ineffective, that where I'm holding myself back, where I could expand. And I, I think it's a choice for each one of us to make. Is that something that we're excited about? Do, mm-hmm. do I want to grow and expand? Because yes. if, if I do, I don't think my relationship is always going to be easy.
1: Mm. Ah, I got so much going on in my head that I want to talk about just in that one thing. let me Give me a minute so I can see which one is the most important thing, because I know I will not talk about the rest of them. Um, Okay, first of all, I just want to make a comment. So when you said, what type of relationship do we want? It reminded me of Alan de Boiton, the English philosopher saying, none of us really lament on why we went got into our relationships in the first place, which I think is a really powerful reflection, right? Um, the okay. other question I, I, the other thing that comes up from mind is, um so what if when we're in the middle of a relationship and we ask ourselves that question, so when you, when you said it originally, I can imagine it sounds like if I'm about to get into a relationship, what type of relationship do I want? But what if, you're in a relationship, like I was. You stop drinking. That acts as your catabasis or your kickstart to your your rebirth, right? So you are now you're killing your old life. You wake up. You're going up the levels of consciousness, and you just start to go on this rebirth. And you ask yourself the question: What relationship do I want? And you realize that you ain't you haven't got it. Like mm-hmm. I've been with this woman twenty years. <gasps> this is not the relationship I want, right? So. I just want to focus on this a little bit because um, this is really kind of prevalent with a couple of my clients uh, at the moment. So let's say you wake up in the middle of your relationship and you look at your wife, could be an husband, you look at your wife and you're like, I love her, but I'm, I'm not really sexually attracted to her anymore. There's no spark. We're more friends. Really? I don't, trust her and I feel unsafe because she shouts at me a lot and tries to control me. She's afraid of my growth. So won't talk, hates it when I read a book, won't, all that kind of stuff. Um, But I don't want to hurt her. So I think I'm just going to stay and just put up with it. What do you think about that? What comes up for you?
0: Well, yeah, I was just going to say a lot comes up for me. That's that's a lot to hold.
1: Yeah. What do you mean and, by that? So for someone listening. Well,
0: yeah. Well, so in my seat as a coach, that makes me feel heavy and I want to collapse a little bit. Mm. Right. And I think the reason is that what you've presented is a person who's got themselves In a very small box with nowhere to go.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Like I want to grow. I want to expand. I want to change the way my life operates. And I am in partnership with someone that I perceive to not want any of those things. Right. Now that's an important very important. important. I perceive this person right now to not want to go where I want to go. And because of X, Y, and Z things, I'm afraid to rock the boat. I'm afraid of what could happen. I'm not even going to ask. I'm not going to try to enroll my partner in my vision because I'm so scared of what might happen. So I'm going to stay in the box Mm -hmm. and probably get more and more sad and more and more miserable. And if this is a person who has, has recently chosen to live without alcohol, uh, I would not want this person to be putting that kind of additional challenge on themselves. I think the risk of speaking up, of having the conversations needed to find out what does the partner truly want is worth it from from my chair, right? Yeah, yeah. And and that person always has to be the
1: one to decide. Mm. I love that. so when when you said, um, you were very clear then on what we perceive, right, right? so so that's that is saying, Hey, we don't really know what because very often what happens in these situations is the reason this kind of disconnection happens or this um this uh, separation between perception and reality is there is no communication, so so we don't know and we're living in fear of finding out the truth. And the first step is, I think the first step is how do we find out what our needs and wants are? And then how do we express to the other person what they are and figuring out whether they're being met or not and discerning what the, our partner's needs and wants are? And whether they're getting mad mad on it. Wait,
0: so let me. I want to back up just a little because that's a lot for me. That's a lot of questions for me to hold at one time. So I want to go back. I love it. What's, What's first? Okay. And one thing that I'm hearing, I think, in this scenario that you're expressing is that this is a person who may not have been fully cognizant of their sort of true self and who they were for a really long time, right? Correct.
2: Yeah. So Still figuring I'm, out.
0: Right. I'm, and as are most of us, Lee, right? In reality. Yeah. So self included. So if I'm waking up to a new way of being, to a new way of living, I have to recognize that I was, that the self I was presenting for a very long time is different from the self that I'm going to be presenting now. Hmm. If I can get curious, right? Curiosity is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Mm. If I can get curious, I wonder if the self, my partner has been showing for all the time we've been together, maybe not necessarily the partner's true self, maybe partially in reaction to how I was showing up. Or in many ways, reactions to how I was showing up. What if I can give this person that I'm in relationship with the benefit of the doubt? Not think I have to have all my shit figured out and just open a conversation. Yeah. Right? Like, this doesn't feel like it's working for me the way it is now. Can we talk about that? Hmm. How is it? for you is it working for you because maybe i'm making an assumption that it's working for my partner maybe they're as unhappy as i am and also afraid to say something
1: yeah yeah i love that i think i think that is so important right is that we can get ourselves into this me 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 energy and we've already we're a victim we're in the drama triangle, we've made our wife or our husband to be a villain. Um, and we don't stop for one minute to think, well, actually, if I'm just having a rebirth, uh, especially when you stop drinking alcohol, because, you know, the way we help people stop drinking alcohol and strive, they, in one minute, they have this paradigm of belief around alcohol, and then they have a new paradigm belief around alcohol. And now all of a sudden, it's easy to be judgmental on who they were yesterday, <laughs> because now they feel like they're a different person. And to, to have the compassion and the curiosity and the consciousness to say, wow, I just got out of prison, but maybe my wife or my husband is still in there. Um, let's open up a dialogue. I mean, and for that, let's open up a dialogue. is like walk up the Himalayas with one hand tied behind your back, right? For a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to suggest that that open up a dialogue is easy, right? Mm. Um, I have... Tons of respect for people who are able to get themselves to do that after years, maybe decades of not opening up those scary kinds of conversations. In a lot of ways, it's a lot easier to keep going on autopilot than it is to risk, right? I can stay in this relationship that's not particularly happy and where I'm not growing and where my partner isn't growing.
2: I don't feel great, but I can do it, mm. or I can risk opening up this
0: conversation, creating lots of difficult feelings, having to navigate them, and potentially losing the relationship.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: A lot of reason why people are scared to have those conversations.
2: Oh yeah,
0: right. And if if I can hold, if I'm the person in this situation that being where I am now, I'm in a little box. Do I want to live in a little box? Or am I willing to risk going through some upset to be outside of it? Whether that means I'm outside of it with this same partner or whether I'm outside of it living a different life. Mm -hmm. To me, having gone through what I've gone through, And this is easy for me to say, because I was in a little tiny box for a long time and I didn't choose to get out of the box. I got kicked out of the box. And so when I got kicked out of the box, I had no choice but to learn and grow and figure out a new way to live. And now I look back at the woman in the box and I feel so much compassion, right, that she couldn't find a way to get herself out of the box and had to wait to get kicked out. I mean, that's, that's um, one way to go, right?
1: Yeah. I I hear you. I got kicked out of my box as well. And this 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 particular client was saying to me, I'm so inspired by the fact that when you changed, you you left your relationship. And I said, No, that's not how it went. I realized that it was a wrong relationship, but I was too afraid to leave because I didn't want to be alone. And I was more than happy to be in a miserable relationship for the rest of my life. As long as that meant I didn't have to upset her upset my life. It was all about me Mm. at that time. And now I look, I look back again with compassion, like, like that guy was just scared, just clueless, didn't have no support, no help, no, nobody who could really, um, coach him, didn't believe in coaching. It was like a different world back then. And compassion is really important. Um, which leads to community, Go on, sorry.
0: Yeah, no, it's 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 all good. I would say to anyone who might be listening, who feels like God, I'm in that box, right? And it's really hard to make. And and I am not judging, right? I just mm. I just said I got kicked out of my box, um, and I now realize looking back. I had all kinds of reasons why I was staying in the box, lots of excuses for not stepping out of the box. I realize now looking back, and a lot of them were around my children. I want my children's lives to be stable, I want them to have the, the intact home that I didn't have. But I realize now I am so much more joyful and compassionate and um, engaged as a parent for having been kicked out of that box and having to do the growth that I needed to do as a result. My children yeah. are actually better off.
1: Yeah. I I look at my 21 year old Jude and while there may be parts of him that wish his mom and dad stayed together. So he had a normal functional family. I don't, I don't think my relationship with him, you don't know, but let me put it in a different way. My relationship with him, despite not living with him and not seeing him as often as I would have liked to in the last, 12 years is beautiful I love my relationship with my son right you know so and, and you the clock so yeah and uh well I'm a great believer that um there's a there's a glistening diamond in every pile of shit right like that, that's just because your beliefs your beliefs are just kind of like formed by your own experiences a lot of the time you know mine are so you know, I saw my ex-wife for the first time in two years at my son's twenty-first birthday at the end of uh, in the middle of February, and um, and I'm, I'm happily married with Liza, and I've been with eight nine years. I walked I walked in, I saw my ex-wife. I went over to say hello, and I had to leave immediately because I just burst out crying hmm. be- be- because I'd I'd spent I'd spent so much time with this woman in my life. And we weren't speaking and it just felt like wrong. And when I saw her, I just, I felt an outpouring of love and she followed me out and she said, what's up? And I said, I just got emotional. I haven't seen you for a long time. And we had a great big hug. Right. Um, and you cannot go back and fix things, but you can take what you've experienced and you can, it can make you stronger. Uh, you can be an inspiration for others. You can use it to teach your children. You know, there's this. There's, um, but at the time, it's terrifying to pull that to pull that trigger, so to speak, and and to and to leave. But I think what we're talking about is way, 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 way before you make that decision. Let's just talk. Exactly. Let's start talking.
0: And and be real, right what is really going on for me? And, and I think that's one of the themes from the conversation you had with Katie Hendricks, not long ago, right. Mm. Is, is um, I, I don't know if she used the word revealing, like sort of being willing to really be seen in what's true for you.
1: Yeah. Like she was talking about Whatever. authenticity. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, the whole oh withholding, she was talking about not withholding. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. Withhold, withdraw, Project, I think, was the um, series she was talking about. So if you withhold, then that causes you to withdraw. And I think there's a lot of sense in that. So it's about not withholding what's true to you. Um, And the Hendricks aren't the only ones. I mean, there are a lot of relationship giants who really stand on this principle of revealing what is true is really the only way to be happy long-term with a partner.
1: This is a conversation we had today in the strike community. And, and it reminded me of a quote on your Instagram. So you had a quote on your website, withholding what is really true for you is not the nice thing to do. It's actually a selfish choice. I think mm-hmm. that came from you. Right. So yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. we had, a, we had a conversation today. Um, there was a, a client of mine saying, I get really nervous that my partner will see our conversation. um, And I sometimes feel like deleting our messages, our interactions, because I don't want to hurt him. And I was, I was saying how,
2: Uh,
1: okay, I was saying how like in, in my relationship, Liza's diaries are all over that. They're just, they're just in the bookshelf. So you go to the bookshelf and it's like, Jack Canfield, Elise Betcher, Liza's Diary from 1994. And you don't read it because it's her diary, it's her private stuff, but she leaves it there because she doesn't care if you read it. And to get to that position where you're able to say, hey, I'll I'll, I'll tell you uh, one thing, for example, that I I said to this client this morning, is my wife was um, having some coaching. And they were talking about real sexual sizzling, knock your socks off experiences, right? Okay. Like when did these, when did these happens? What did this happen? And then Liza was thinking about these moments where she's like, poof, like she's she's hit, she's went on a rocket and gone to Pluto sexually, right? Okay. And she said to me, Lee, I want to talk to you about something that happened in my coach session I'm like, sure, great. And she said, when I thought about that question you our out we weren't in you weren't in that list and there there was no part of me that felt bad that i wasn't in the list i i i i love the fact that she can tell me that i'm not in that list and then say to me and i Need you to be in that list. I need you to be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And my request is that together, if you're up for it, we fill that that up with these. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I want that too. And it allowed me to look at myself and say, Lee, how are you showing up sexually? Because you're obviously not showing up in the way your woman needs you to show up. Right? Is that, are you okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. Right? I'm not okay with that. So, for me, I mean, you're sharing that as a a personal example of the freedom I feel in my relationship of being able to talk to you or um, my mate Chris in the pub last night or someone in Strive about my relationship and not worry about that she will know that I've said that because it's going to hurt her feelings. Right. Yeah. So for me, I'm kind of like, how do we get to a point where we're able to say to a husband or a wife, I'm really not getting my needs met in this relationship without the fear of feeling you're going to hurt them?
0: Yeah. I mean, I told, I think I, I have a lot of empathy for where that question comes from. And I would suggest, maybe reframing the way one is looking at that. So um, I like to start with, how am I, how am I, how am I coming at this? Am I coming at it from, it's about me, or am I coming at it from, it's about us? If I'm in a partnership, I think it's more effective to come at it whenever possible from it's about us. How can I support the relationship as opposed to how can I get my needs met? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if the relationship is functioning well, what I need is a part of it. And there's a whole conversation about what is actually a need in relationship, right? So mm-hmm. we're going to argue on that for a moment. Um, but also what I hear in your question is, how can I control how the other person receives what I'm asking for or what I'm wanting to talk about? And the answer is, you can't. Yeah. Can never control how someone else responds. What you can do is work with yourself to present things in a way that they're invitations mm. rather than demands. Okay.
2: Mm.
0: Um, because invitations are always going to be more successful than things that come across as complaints or demands. And There's also the question of how do I hold myself and then how does the partner hold themselves when presented with challenging information, right? So you're expressing that Liza could come to you and talk about the fact that You weren't on the top, the list of the top five, or experiences the two of you had had together weren't in the list of the top five. Mm -hmm. You have done enough work with yourself to be able to hold that and not come back at her with defensiveness. Mm -hmm. Right? Not everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Lots of people haven't done enough work with themselves to be able to hold information like that. So, the most effective thing that we can do is always. Start working on ourselves. Yeah. It might not be what the client you're thinking of wants to hear in this moment, right? Wants to go to the partner and say, my needs aren't being met. I need you to do things differently. That's almost everybody's first inclination. I, I'm i going to suggest from the work that I've done that what is likely to be more effective in the long run is to start working on, like, am I giving... What I want to be receiving, first of all, am I willing to give what I want to be receiving? How do I show up when my partner has something they want to bring to me? Am I open to hearing it? Let me model that. Let me demonstrate that I actually can do that for my partner and give them a taste of what it feels like. Maybe they didn't grow up in a house where anybody taught them how to do that. Mm. Chances are high they didn't grow up in a house where anyone taught them how to receive challenging information and hold it with care and respect and think about the other person because most of us didn't learn that in our homes
1: Mm. growing up. If you're struggling with alcohol addiction, you're in luck. At no time in history have there been so much choice to find sobriety as there is today. So why the STRIVE method? Where so many processes focus on quitting alcohol, the STRIVE method helps you get to the root of the reason why you drink alcohol. You can quit alcohol and still emanate from a place of pain and suffering. Who wants that? I certainly didn't.
2: I feel I understand myself better than any time in my life.
1: The STRIVE method didn't just help me quit alcohol, it helped save my marriage and learn to be myself for the first time in my life. It's more than a place I want to be. It's a place I have to be. Okay, what I hear there is we talked about the importance of communication, but what you're also echoing as really important is how. How do I, how do I want my partner to show up for me? And how do I mirror that? So, so instead of going to him and talking to him, right, which we will do, but not just that, how can I be the change that I want to see in this relationship? Like, so let's just say, for example,
0: Let me, let me just pause you for a second because I want to make sure. So yeah, how do I, how do I be the change I want to see? Yes. A hundred percent. If I gave the impression that I'm saying, don't have the conversation. No, no, we have
1: the conversation. Yeah. 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 We have the
0: conversation. What I mean to say is be really mindful about how you approach, whether you're criticizing and blaming and laying the problem at the feet of the partner, yeah. Or whether you're coming with an attitude of I'm struggling with something and I would really love us to collaborate on a way to work with it.
1: Yeah. So so that 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 what you just said there is the conversation I have with my client is teaching this person to use nonviolent communication to be able to express how they currently feel in the relationship, and to ask the other person how they're feeling in the relationship as well. But what I love about what you just said um, is a step that I haven't talked to my client about, right? Is let's just say, for example, somebody is feeling unsafe because mm-hmm. their partner is always in go energy and gets um, frustrated easily and gets angry. And we don't want, we don't want that in the relationship. We want respect, love, calm, peace, whatever it is, but we don't want anger and feeling safe. Yeah. Is where are we in the relationship actually doing that ourselves? Yeah. Or where in the relationship, is it possible that due to, Any of our behaviors and actions, that same person is also feeling fear if we bring it down to an emotion, right? So I'm feeling afraid when I come home because he's angry. And he could be afraid because I'm withdrawing and he's afraid that our relationship is going to end. So we're both feeling fear. So what I love about what you said is rather than make it about the other person and them changing, which we're never going to get anywhere with that, is to ask ourselves, okay, what could I do to change myself so this human being doesn't feel anxious, doesn't feel afraid, doesn't feel... Obviously, they're always going to, but you know that reduce the amplification. And in my experience, when you do that, then the other person is more likely to soften and to trust and to engage you in in a more deeper, respectful way outside of that... Halt brain, halt brain.
0: Right. 100%. I, I am 100% with you on how do I, where can I make changes? What's my part? What's my role in this? How am I contributing to this unhealthy?
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Effective dynamic, a thousand percent. Where I don't want it to go is making changes that feel out of alignment for me. Yeah. I don't feel good about myself. I'm overreaching, over functioning, over responsibility taking. Yeah. As I'm tiptoeing around walking on eggshells with a partner who isn't ever going to wake up and meet me halfway. Right. So it's again, we're back to holding more than one thing. Yeah. I want to radical personal responsibility for my part and make all the shifts I can make to show up in a way that I would want someone to show up for me. Right. And then there's also a part of learning our partner, right? Because just because it's a way I would want someone to show up, doesn't actually mean what my partner wants. So that's a whole nother piece, right? Stan Stan Tatkin talks about this. Gottman's talk about this. Like the Gottman's have a concept called love maps, right? Really knowing what your partner needs and wants to feel cared for. Mm. Um, and so it's sort of, it's this idea of it's very similar to what you talk about. I think with like being a self-led person, living a self-led life, I want to get into that self energy and really just be the most the embodiment of like love and compassion and grace and show up every day for myself and this person with the goal of making our relationship as connected and loving and caring as I possibly can. Hmm. And when I am Pete, Pete Pearson and Ellen Bader, who run the couples Institute, they train couples therapists and couples coaches. They talk about this, like, What if you define success, not in terms of how your partner treated you, but how you showed up like, Mm. oh, it's not going well in my relationship. It's like terrible. My partner's not meeting my needs. What if we shift that paradigm and you, you go for a while defining success by how did I show up today? Did I show up in a way that I can feel good about myself? how I showed up for me and my partner. And if I focus on that, on what I'm doing, the chances are that my partner is going to start noticing that I'm behaving differently and start trying to meet me. There are pretty high. Mm. And if I show up consistently as my best self for months and my partner doesn't make any shifts or any adjustments that's important information for me to have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That um, how did I show up for my today? That the metric. I, I, I that's like really that's really important, you know. Like I, I put a post out the other day that um when it comes to sobriety, for example, mm-hmm. like I want strivers to stop looking at days of sobriety as the metric and okay. to start looking at. What I call line awareness, right? So, how many times today did I check in with myself, realize that I was below the line in the drama triangle in parts energy? And how many of those times did I then get into self energy above the line? That's the metric, right? Because because I don't want to teach people to stop drinking alcohol and then have a terrible relationship because the part's activated all the time. I want people to, hell, I would rather that they drank alcohol and they had a beautiful relationship, right? Like that's what I would rather they had. So you saying that about what's a metric in how can I improve my relationship or how can I give myself faith and hope that we're heading in the right way is did I show up today? I love that. Like, I think that, I think that's amazing. Yeah. There you go. And you mentioned love maps. Tell me a little bit more about love maps.
2: Well, my
0: understanding, it's not my concept. It's John and Julie Gottman's from what Mm. I understand. Um, And uh, uh, the way I understand it is, is really getting to develop over time. And I think Stan Tatkin talks about a very similar concept, just deep knowledge about your partner. Mm. What, what scares them? What are they excited about? What, you know, what are their dreams? What are their hopes? What are the, what are the things they regret and like what gets them triggered? What helps soothe them and calms that calms them down? What do they like in their coffee? I mean, it's literally Mm. everything like deep knowledge and awareness about who this person is, there's so many great things about it. First of all, it demonstrates that I really care, right? Mm-hmm. If I can know everything I can possibly know about you, aren't you going to feel <laughs> cared for,
2: right? <laughs>
0: then if I have that information, I can use it to show up for you better.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I have I have a really good story about about screwing that up, actually. So what I, <laughs> I'll share it with you in a minute. So what I'm hearing is so for me, I'm hearing like the love maps is very similar to erotic blueprints and very similar to understanding attachment styles, understanding yes. This this this, this discovery of what makes this person tick.
2: Yes. And yeah.
1: and what and what puts them off. So, mm-hmm. so here's another good example when I interviewed Kim Bilic about hormonal um, homo- hormonal health and knowing when um, what stages of her period a woman is in. For a man, is pretty golden information to know when she is really low on energy, and she. So you don't have to, you don't have to ask her if you can look after the kids. Just know that this is the time that she needs you to look after the kids. Just know. This is a time where she's likely to be more horny, right? Like, and, and obviously masculine feminine energy as well, just knowing like that dynamic in your relationship. Um and I Anna, and when I hear you talk about that, it 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 excites me because I, I get excited and I'm like, wow, you can look at relationships like a game, like you could you could look at it as a puzzle, as a challenge. It's like, If my goal is to have a beautiful self-led relationship with the both of us getting into this deep, intimate communion, as David Data says, like, how do we get there? And this mapping is part of that. Um, It is uh, an example of how I screwed that up, right? So I think I read in one of the relationship books that the small things, the tiny things count. Um, when it comes to showing appreciation to your partner. So I work from home, Liza works from home, and I'm making a cup of tea. I'm making her snacks. I'm making a dinner. I'm giving her a a shoulder rub. I'm um, asking her if she wants help with anything, and I'm really laying it on, right? Like I'm, and I'm like rigid, right? So I'm like, I've got to do 20 of these things a day, like, and I'm ticking them off the list, right? Okay. After a couple of days, she turns around and says to me during our check-in, she says, I said, How are you doing anyway? What's what's on your mind? She said, Well, there's something I want to talk to you about. She said, I'm feeling a little bit smothered by you, a little bit icky. Like you're like, I don't know what it is, Lee, but you're just, you're all over me and I don't like it. Like, and then and then I got really defensive. I was like, Fucking hell, I'm trying to show up and help you out. And then yeah. obviously I realized that. If I show Liza too much attention, she will slip into her avoidant pattern if I'm not careful, if we're not both secure. So I have to be aware of that and know that part of Liza's love map or love island is that she doesn't want me um, pouring all over her all the time. There needs to be a certain balance of that. So I am sharing that as an example of me reading a book, thinking I'm doing the right thing, but not understanding really how she ticks you know
0: yes yes absolutely 100 percent. i think it's a really beautiful concept of also there's so many people i think who feel like i've heard a lot of people say i don't know how to make my partner happy
1: right? yeah or, everything i do fails or, right
0: and this like really like being deeply curious on a regular basis and recheck like so i'm going to make my math And then I'm going to make a commitment to like, let's have a date. I don't know, once a month dedicated to what's changed. What Mm. else could I know about you? Like, let's just sit and have a conversation. I just, I want to update my understanding of you as a human being.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's to me like talk conversation is so important in in my own relationships, my two biggest relationships, I found it so easy to drift away from conversation. Mm. Like literally just not even having it. Yeah. You know, um, and then realizing why this relationship is is not working as you want it to. There's no conversation. And then to, to get that back working again is um is has always been my challenges in the past for sure.
0: It can absolutely be a challenge. And there are reasons it's not, people don't fall out of conversation for no reason.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Usually what happens is people learn over time. My partner doesn't know how to handle it when I talk about this and it doesn't go well. So Mm. I'm going to stop talking about this.
1: Because I don't trust him.
0: Because I don't, Feel that it's going to get us anywhere, Mm -hmm. or I don't know what I'm going to get back, or I don't trust him, or you know, it doesn't really matter what comes after the because. Yeah, yeah. Problem is, I feel like I can't go down that path, so I'm going to stop trying. And then it's, well, let's bring back Katie Hendricks's comment about withholding,
2: right? Mm -hmm.
0: I'm holding and um, Ellen Bader and Pete Pearson at the Couples Institute have a talk about, um, these, I like lying by not sharing, right. Those mm-hmm. are all ways that we are not being true to ourselves, which over time absolutely will erode the quality of the relationship.
2: Mm-hmm. There's
0: no way to not be true to yourself and not interfere with the quality of
1: the relationship. And what other things you see in, in your work where, um, people to two people who they just they love each other and they want it to work yep. but they just keep messing it up what else are you finding
2: sure
0: sure I mean I think one of the biggest is people who um people like to fight about who was right about something oh yeah yeah right like we're uh, we have different versions of the facts about something that happened And rather than focusing on we have a disconnect here and we want to get back into connection, what we're focusing on is, you know, who forgot to put the gas cap on the car when it last got, who was the one who forgot to put the gas cap back on? Or who was the one who forgot to lock the door? Or, you know, you said X, no, I didn't. I said Y. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: right none of that actually gets us anywhere arguing about the facts because the truth is everybody's memory is not that great mm. for the facts of something that happened before especially if we got triggered right we go into the limbic brain and our ability to recall facts is just not that great yeah and so it's pointless to argue about who's right about the facts. In fact, Terry real, who is another relationship giant says the, what is the answer? What's the relational answer to the question who's wrong and who's right. And the answer is who cares.
2: Who gives a shit. Yeah,
0: It doesn't matter. So that's one pitfall one pothole people fall exactly. into.
1: All the how time. did it get? How did it get out of that one? Then I mean, I'm, I'm instantly thinking 100 responsibility, right? Taking radical responsibility is the first thing that comes up for mind for me. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, well, I think having a mindset of knowing that the facts, who is right about the facts, is not the important thing, mm, right? Mm. Just carrying that awareness, I think, is really important. Like, mm. oh wait, what? What's underneath? the arguing about the facts. What are the, so you talk about nonviolent communication, right? Which I think is fantastic. And then there's a slight tweak. Terry Reel has a version, something similar Hmm. that includes one additional step that I really love. He calls it the feedback wheel and it starts like nonviolent communication does with what I observed, right? Observable facts, things you could have recorded with a video camera, right? When X happened, and then with nonviolent communication, you go straight to feelings, right? I felt.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, emotions and needs.
0: Observations to feelings and then needs, right? So in Kerry Reel's feedback wheel, there's a second step that I love, which is I observed this, this happened, and here's what I made up about it.
1: Ah, they like the story
0: that I infused, right? Based on all of my life experiences and my attachment style and everything that's happened to me up to date, like we are meaning-making machines, we humans. We cannot stop ourselves.
2: Mm. And so
0: I see something happening and then I'm gonna layer my meaning onto it. And then as a result of the meaning I layer onto it, then I'm off to the races with my feelings about it, Mm. right? So I really like, partially because I want to tell my partner the meaning I made up, but because it's important for me to see, like, what was I, how was I interpreting, right? I know in my, uh, like in my marriage, which is no longer existing, my ex-husband, he would come home from work later than he had told me a lot, right? He had a very intense career. He was a partner in a law firm. and. I would make up all sorts of meanings. Hmm. He doesn't care about being home. He doesn't doesn't matter to him if the he's here before the kids go to sleep. He doesn't care how much uh, stress it puts on me. Like I had all these meanings, right? None of them was ever what he actually was feeling, right? But they were. It was all in there, and then I had all my feelings associated with it. So I think it's really important to check out, to reveal, to know what is the meaning I've infused? And then to tell my partner, this is the meaning I've infused. Can you like, can you help me hold that? Can you tell me how that feels for you?
1: Yeah. Can you clarify if I'm, if it, yeah. How like Like, off base am I?
0: I, I'm sorry. We're talking at the same time. uh, There's a little bit of a lag in the Wi-Fi. Yeah.
1: We just got broken up. Um, I was saying, um, can you clarify if my story is a story or if there's any truth behind that story is like so powerful, right? Because very often your partner can say, no, that's not, that's not what I was saying at all.
0: That's not what I, that's not like, I was actually like getting ready to leave the office and, you know, one of my partners came in and begged me to help with another project that had, you know, deadline three hours away and he couldn't get the work. But if I don't ask, if I don't reveal the meaning I'm making, then I'm not going to have that moment where we can come together mm. and understand what each other we're dealing with, and then we're probably just going to be criticizing each other and you know arguing about who's right.
1: Yeah, that is, that is such a toxic one, I, and and it and it can roll into this. Uh, it can roll into a much deeper, much more toxic. Um. The viewpoint of the world like it's it's like an almost like a like a sense of injustice in your relationship but then there's injustice with the world like covid's happening to me and uh this job's happening to me and these people are happening to me and it really, really kind of like can end up getting sunk deeper and deeper and deeper into this into this pit, you know?
0: Well, that, I mean, from over here, what I'm hearing is that that's an issue of like, what consciousness am I sitting in, right? Mm. How how am I looking at everything? Not just my mm. relationships, but my place in the world. And am, am I looking at like the world is happening to me or am yeah. I an actor? Do I have agency in my life? Like, what's my game? Am I, am I, what am I about here?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, Yeah, am I able to be in, as me or from me energy in some areas of my life and and to me energy in other areas of my life. Yeah, very interesting. You know, very often you'll find correlations.
0: I have some other pitfalls that people Hmm. fall into if you want to hear.
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: Okay. So there's the like arguing about who's right. Then there's trying to control what my partner does. Right. Like from big things such as uh how much time my partner spends with his friends to little things like how my partner loads the dishwasher people don't like to be told what to do mm. so anytime i am thinking about telling my partner how to operate it's really better if i check myself first like why why am i making this request and how important is it do i really need to make my partner load the dishwasher in a different way.
1: <laughs> no that, one
0: likes me told what to do.
1: Yeah. That, that, do you know what you said earlier on about um, showing up in your relationship in a, in a way that you want your other, you know, want your partner to show up. So th- this is one element of that. So when I, when Liza is guest controlling with me, and I get triggered by it, I realize very often it's because I'm trying to control her or I'm trying to control something else. So I I get that kind of projection involved in that as well. Um, But yeah, I can see control as a real issue. What else comes up?
0: Yeah. So you're also sort of touching on a couple of others, which are one is some people and this is not everyone. I think almost everyone has a tendency to fall into the like arguing about what's right sometimes yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and control a partner at sometimes. I, I don't know anybody who hasn't gone down th- those roads. Um, another one that not everyone does, but a lot of people do is I'm I've got it. I've got a problem with something. I've got a complaint I want to lodge. And again, there are issues with lodging complaints to begin with, but I'm getting started. And then my partner comes back with not because I'm starting with a complaint. My partner is less likely to come back with ownership. Like, yeah, I can see that. You're right. I did that, which is a phenomenal habit to have in relationship ownership, responsibility. Yeah. To but if I come with a complaint, what I'm likely to get back is defensiveness. And then because I'm putting someone, I'm participating in putting my partner on the defensive by starting with a complaint. And then when defensiveness comes back, what I might do, which is wildly ineffective, is to get rolling on uh, a concept Terry Real calls unbridled self-expression, where I'm just going to let you have everything you've done in the last... Day, week, month, year, who knows? I'm going to let you have it. So, <laughs> and and then you didn't do this and you didn't put the cap back on the toothpaste and you forgot to pick the kids up on time and you didn't do the dishes. And, you know, and when we were having sex last night, you didn't ask me what... I- yeah. untitled self-expression. That's that's a big loser.
1: That fashion. just that just reminded me of you, know what you said about the dishwasher. I was just thinking of like let's just load up the dishwasher. Let's just load up the dishwasher with all these complaints so I can really emphasize my point that you're a complete waste of space and always responsible for all our arguments. Um,
0: then then there is I think that I got two more I'll share, mm. which are real losers. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of laughing as I say this, but I want to be like, it's not funny and I'm not making fun of anyone who does these things. I have done all of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear about that. And if we can't laugh at ourselves a little bit, like, where are we? For me, humor is a really important part of everything. Um, and I want to be clear that I'm not, I don't, I think this is serious business and it's Mm -hmm. important to pay attention to. Um, another losing strategy is revenge, retaliation. Terry real calls this one, and I love this phrase offending from the victim position. Mm.
2: right?
0: You did X, y, and z, so I have the right to do a, B, and C.
2: Mm.
0: You've hurt me, so I get to hurt you
1: mm.
0: And it's tricky and we often do this without realizing we're
1: doing it. Yeah. Right? And that that sounds like that comes straight from childhood. I just get that feeling that that comes straight from childhood.
0: Well, I mean most of this stuff does, right? Yeah. Partner does something triggers some memory, some experience, some feeling and then that inner child of mine that when I'm single, I do a pretty good job of keeping in check. But somehow when I'm partnered, I expect, like I put my expectations on my partner to take care of my different wounded inner children that are in here. Mm -hmm. And I somehow abdicate responsibility for caring for them myself. And Mm -hmm. now like, My partner is responsible for caring for them. And Mm. so my partner does something that one of my wounded inner children gets tweaked by. And then I'm off to the races with I get the right to do X, Y and Z.
1: Without recognizing that my partner has wounded little children as well.
0: 100 percent. Right. But when I'm in my wounded child, I can't see that.
1: You can't see it, can't hear it. You're just blind. Right. Just you yes. are just a child. <laughs> like as, as Liza keeps saying to me about Zia, you know she hasn't got a fully formed neocortex yet and that 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 reminds that's a, like a good reminder for my own inner children. when they were yeah. going through that they couldn't make sense of it and they still can't now.
0: They can't. And so mm. when when I get triggered, the thing to do is to recognize my own wounded inner child yeah. to reassure that part, I've got you
2: yeah
0: right, and then put that wounded child in the back seat, mm. right, like you sit in the back, I'm driving the car, right. The wise, conscious adult is driving the car in interacting with the partner. you wounded child, don't get to interact with the partner because you're not going to handle it super well,
1: yeah, I love you're that metaphor that mm.
0: for us, right, mm. so. I'm going to take care of you. Look, you're behind me. I'm not going to, I'm protecting for you. I'm blocking for you. I'm not letting, you know, things get to you, but you've got to let me drive the car.
1: Yeah. I love that metaphor. I like it. Hmm. Thank you. And hmm. um, You said you had one more?
0: Yeah. The last one that's on my mind to offer right now is withdrawal.
1: Ah. Uh. Katie like, was talking about that as well, wasn't she?
0: Shutting down um, the um, I think it's the Gottmans call this one stonewalling, right?
1: Yes, it, one of the four it's just, horse pop- it,
0: one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, yeah. right? Like, it and different relationship giants have different sort of configurations of this. And they are all, I think the reassuring thing is they're all pretty similar. There are a hand, they're stated in slightly different ways, but they're very similar. And, And this one, withdrawal, stonewalling, that one tends, I think, to come up either when things have gotten pretty bad in a relationship or with someone who had a tougher childhood, might have... More of a tendency to get seriously flooded with not significant triggers, mm. and literally, like physiologically, cannot handle
1: conflict. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that that's their body doing its best to keep them safe, and the, the byproduct of it is they can't communicate with you in when they're in, ca-
0: in that space, but, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you are that person, or if you're partnered with that person. A big first step is to is to recognize that and offer grace and compassion for yourself or your partner,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and start to work with taking breaks, so that yeah. the partner can regulate and self soothe and come back into communication. But it is a practice and it is important because over time, shutting down and not being available. To work through things will kill a
1: relationship. Yeah, I, I, one of my um, one of my real major flaws was not being able to handle stonewalling and and getting really angry that I was being shut out and turning to anger. Um, and then now, when I spend more time into my in my self energy and I can talk to that part, I recognise stonewalling as a need for space and actually in the way that it shows up in my relationship, it might not even be called stonewalling. It's actually right. Liza protecting the. It's actually Liza protecting us and mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to make a decision for our relationship right now to give us some space. I don't know how long that will be, but we need it right now, right? Yeah, Which I is, wouldn't
0: call that stonewalling. Right, forward. right, that, right. For me, that's responsible space taking.
1: Right, right, right. right. Okay, 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 okay.
0: I think it's important for all of us to know When we're getting to a point in a conversation where we're, uh, I'll speak for myself, it is important for me to know when I'm getting to a point in a conversation where I'm not fully connected to my wise inner self, my frontal cortex is going offline and I'm feeling flooded, I'm feeling like I can't be productive, and to say, I need a break Mm -hmm. and I will be back in. X amount of time, and we can take this up again, right? Right, and, and then to go, and this is important, actually, when I take that time, because I've had clients who will like say, okay, I need a break, I'm going to take this time, right? And it's not you need a break, okay? This is really important. I don't tell you, you need a break, even if I think you're being an ass internally. Yeah. I say, I need a break, right? Yeah. And then, when I go to take that break, it is really important for me not to go and stew about all the obnoxious things you did that make you wrong and responsible for the problem that we're having, right? That is not what the break is for. The break is for me to get back in my wise adult self, to think about the remind myself I love this person, I'm here. Standing. uh, Jason Gaddis, the founder of the relationship school, talks about this concept, standing for three. Right. Mm -hmm. I am here to care for the relationship when the relationship wins. My partner and I individually win as well. Right.
2: Yeah.
0: And I take my time, my space. That's what I'm focusing on. How can I show up as my best self? What is going to be good for the relationship? Right. And then, and I'm soothing myself. I'm feeling my feet on the floor. I'm putting my, you know, hand on my heart and my hand on my belly. I'm taking deep breaths. I'm petting my dog. I'm, you know, drinking some water, all the reading a magazine about, like, I don't know, watching cat videos, whatever (laughs) helps me calm down. Right. Mm. And holding that what I want to do when I come back is come with a new, revived sense of like, how can we collaborate?
1: Mm, I love that so much and thank you for um, yeah putting me straight there on that stonewalling thing. Obviously I, I can I can see the big, big difference there for sure. like I, I can think of my dad and how my dad uses stonewalling, which is very, very, very different to when um, Liza's asking me for a timeout is a very healthy protective way to deal with our relationship when I'm incapable of doing it because she can see that I'm in whole brain. So thank you for
0: that. I mean, that speaks to a point of like the sense of collaboration in a relationship. And, you know, I love that you said that you and Liza have regular check-ins. I think Mm. that's beautiful. And it's a a technique that I think could benefit any relationship, right? Regular Mm. check-ins about how are we doing together. Um, Shoot, I lost my train of thought. It
1: I was- may, it may come back. What was we talking about? We were talking about stonewalling. We were talking about Liza being a stand for our relationship by putting space in there when I'm in Hulk brain.
0: Yeah, I don't remember. I totally lost it.
1: Ah, well, okay, well.
0: If it Elise, if it's meant to, it'll come back.
1: If it's meant to, it'll come back. At least tell these uh, beautiful people listening. Um, what are you doing these days? What have you got on offer? Are you coaching one-on-one? Are you coaching relationships? You've got a course. What you got going in a moment?
0: Uh, right now, I am really excited about my one-on-one and my two-on-one coaching. Um, mm-hmm. Coaching couples and coaching individuals, primarily about how to do this relationship thing successfully. Mm-hmm. How to show up more authentically as their true self and get what they want in relationship, which I guess you might say, like if you're not showing up authentically as your true self, how can you get what you want in relationship? Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a two parter. Um, and and that is really what I'm focusing on right now is is I just love that. I love mm. helping people be more true to themselves and be more connected to other human beings.
1: Well, people, if you're listening to this, I've never been coached by Elise, but I have seen her in action. And she is awesome. She is a fountain of wisdom around this stuff. Um, so please, please, please check her out. Uh, we'll put her contact details in the show notes, or you can email me at the Method at gmail.com and I'll put you in touch with Elise. And remember, everybody, don't wait until you feel your relationship is on the rocks to work with someone like Elise. Do it every day as fun as a way to enrich and deepen your communion with your partner, right? Or with yourself, right? I've, uh, Elise is a wonderful one-on-one coach, and not just a relationship coach, okay? Um, Elise, keep doing this great work. I actually really believe in my heart that... At the heart of all addiction is a lack of relational literacy. Um, So we need more and more people like you making this great change in the world. So thanks for showing up today. I really appreciate you and your time.
0: Thank you, Lee, for having me. It's been great. I've enjoyed our conversation a lot.
1: I hope, I hope, I hope you found that really useful. Now, before you bugger off and listen to Joe Rogan or Sam Harris, please, please, please do me a favor. Go to your local podcast provider platform and just rate and review this episode or the 1000 Day Sober podcast and just say how great it is. And uh, if you know somebody who could do some help in life, uh, then tell them about it. OK, you could change somebody's life today. If you are interested in working with myself in a one to one capacity, uh, whether you want to have um remove an addiction from your life, whether you want to be uh, the most amazing man or woman that you can be, if you want to improve your relationships, whatever it is you want to work on, then email me at thestrivemethod.gmail.com. We'll get on a call and see how I can help you out. If you haven't yet done so, uh, go to www.1000daysober.com and buy our book, The Strive Method Book, and uh, let me know if you want to join our wonderful Strive family at the strive at gmail.com okay? All right, much love, everybody. Until next week, take care of yourself.